regardless of where you're going to do it. Um, Grace Living Center is coming up Wednesday the 25th at uh, 10.30 a.m. They're going to be doing a time of devotion uh, with the seniors at the Grace Living Center. And so if you, uh, if you have a heart and a passion and time off to be able to come and be a part of that, information is here in the bulletin. Um, our men's attack, uh, we just had our last men's attack last week. Daniel Musson uh, ran that. Um, great time. Had a bunch of guys in various different age groups where we sat around and talked about uh, the various characteristics of men in the Bible and uh, why we thought that those characteristics were, were great. Uh, we talked about um, how we could kind of put that into our own life. Um, had some great discussion. Daniel did a great job with that. The next one is not going to be until November. Um, Ephraim Judah is going to be uh, uh, leading that, spearheading that. Coffee again will be provided. Uh, location is still to be determined. Um, we did the last one at Yellow Dog Coffee in the middle of ne uh, Norman. And so um, it'll either be at Yellow Dog or someplace else. But we'll keep you guys updated not only in the bulletin but on the website. Um, ladies already went to the ladies movie, right? That was last week. Okay, I'm just trying to keep up to date. My wife's not here to keep me with all of my... So we're no more ladies' events until after the feast. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, I think that's all we got. You guys dried out yet? No? No? You guys already went to sleep on me? Yeah, I know I'm long-winded. Well, let's go ahead. Let's stand up. Let's say Shabbat Shalom to somebody. Uh, say hi. Meet somebody maybe you haven't met before. We're going to go ahead and get started in a time of praise. Our God is greater, our God is stronger 
God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power Our God Our God Our God is greater Our God is stronger God you are higher than any other Our God is healer Awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome power. Our God, our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome power. Our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger, God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. You are faithful 
Yeshua coming back for his bride and wiping the slate clean. Because you have been faithful, Father. The scripture is clear time after 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 time, after time that we have remained unfaithful 
and you have remained faithful father father break our hearts for what breaks yours and mold us and make us into the bride that you would have us be that all the things that are temporary around us we shall not fear them we shall not lust after them we shall not covet them that will just focus our hearts and our eyes upon you our coming Messiah our coming King for greater love have no man than one that would lay down his life for a friend you are majestic in all your ways Father
kidneys are not working the way that you had designed them and intended them to be father and we need you to reach down and we need you to give her your healing touch father we need you to intervene on her behalf for Patrice in the very long road that she's been on with the healing of her knee father the emotional, financial, and physical stress that this situation has caused on her, Father, I ask that right now that you would reach down and the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, would flood the room she's in. There would be shalom and peace in her home that she would feel, that she would know that you're there. That she would know that you have her in your hands, Father. Father, we pray for this country. We pray for all the leaders, Democrats and Republicans, Father. 
division in this country, Father, is, is at an all-time high. We've lost the ability to respect and love one another, Father. And in this country, it starts from the top down. And Father, I ask that you would reach out and you would impact the lives of every person in the Congress, in the Senate, in the White House, our governors, our local congressmen, our local leaders, our mayors, Father. Father, we need healing. A healing that we cannot bring out of the power of ourselves, Father. It is a healing that must come by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the power of the Holy Spirit, Father. We need healing. We need restoration. Father, renew our hope, our faith, that miracles still happen today all around us. We stop looking for you moving in the small things and we expect you to just drop big things in our lap, Father, but yet you're moving in our midst every day of our life. But our hearts have been hardened not to see them. continue to mold us and shape us into the vessels that we were originally designed to be vessels that were designed to be able to walk in the garden with you our king our creator that every day of our life we are moving back towards the garden towards the kingdom towards our king and not away from you Father, for those who are struggling financially, those who are struggling with health, those who are struggling with back pain, Father, give them peace to know that you are there with them. You are there with them. They are not alone. Father, the, the time has come and your appointed times are upon us. May we be ready to meet our King. May we be able to joy, be rejoicing in your feast days with you, Father. Search the innermost parts of our heart. Reveal the things to us that we need to repent of, Father. And restore us back to you. For, Father, you do love us. You have shown that time and time and time and time again. May your name be glorified this community may your name be glorified in this city may your name be glorified in this nation may your name be glorified to the ends of the earth father teach us how teach us where teach us when that we wouldn't go on our own accord 
that we wouldn't go on our own power that we would continue to be your hands and feet helping to usher in your kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven Father, forgive us of our trespasses and give us the heart to be able to forgive those who have trespassed against us, Father. This nation has a heart problem. And you are the solution. Call us back to life, Father. Breathe your breath of life in us unlike ever before. That as this fall of time, this time of feast, Father, comes together, that there would be so much joy, that there would be so much light, that people would see Yeshua. They would see the love of Yahweh Elohim. For it's in Yeshua's name we humbly come before you. Amen and amen. All righty, let's bring our kiddos up here. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the rains that bring cleansing, that uh, knock all the dust out of the atmosphere and bring it down to the ground from where it came from. And just like that, your cycles of life are constantly going. We're entering the cycle of the fall festivals currently. And we're so thankful for those cycles that you have established, the patterns that you have set up for our behalf. We ask that those cycles of, of life would be upon these children, that they would grow, that they would uh, produce fruit for you, that there would be a harvest in your name that would bring you glory and honor, and may it be a bountiful harvest that uh, has an overabundance of fruit. Father, we lift up to you the young men. May they be like Ephraim and Manasseh and truly produce fruit for your kingdom. May they be known for their ability to produce for your kingdom. May you bless the young ladies like Ruth and like Esther. May they be women whose word is their bond, whose faithfulness is known for generations, who remain steadfast, clinging to you. Father, we pray that you would order the steps of these young children that they would never depart from your ways, but they would always seek after you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may they lead us by their example. Father, we submit these children to you. 
And as all of your children, we present our request to you, Father. In the name of your Son, Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Kids 4 through 12, you are dismissed to your class. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Our Torah portion this week is entitled Kitavo, which means when you enter in, Deuteronomy chapter, starting in chapter 26 and extends through chapter 28. This is the time in the Torah cycle in the book of Deuteronomy when, of course, the children of Israel are preparing to go into the promised land. And God is giving that land to the children of Israel. Why is God giving the land? What is the land to the children of Israel? It's the inheritance. It's the very blessing. It's the very gift of God that God is giving to his people. He's entered into covenant with the children of Israel. And he is giving them the land. That is his gift. Can you imagine going to a wedding and you saw the bride and groom and they were exchanging their vows But what if only one of them gave a ring to the other one and the other one didn't give anything else? You'd sit there and question, is that really a wedding? Like I saw the the guy give the ring to the woman, but then the woman didn't give a ring to the man. Well, that's why we have the commandments that come in Deuteronomy chapter 26, because the children of Israel were commanded that when they went into the land and that when God placed his name in Jerusalem, that they were to bring an offering, a basket of fruit, to the Lord. And it was said that this is fruit, of course, from orchards that they did not plant, from vineyards they did not plant and sow. Because this was a gift from God and now God is asking them to give a gift back. It's necessary to confirm the covenant that God has with the children of Israel. There has to be this exchange of gifts and this understanding. That continues on also the vows that God made to the children of Israel standing at the base of Mount Sinai is repeated for us at the end of chapter 26 where it says the Lord once again called the children of Israel his special people, a peculiar treasure, choosing them from among all nations that God is making his vow to be in covenant with Israel. Because that's, all, that's what the entire story of the Torah is all about, is that relationship between God and his people. It was also commanded that they were to inscribe the law on stones when they went into the promised land. They went to Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal, and they separated the tribes and there were blessings that were put upon one mountain and curses that was put upon another. And we have in chapter 27, we have the very curious list of all of the curses that each one of the children of Israel proclaimed. Things like, cursed is the one who makes a carved and molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work in the hands of a craftsman and sets it up in secret. And then what follows is a whole series of terrible sins that one would commit in secret that each person was to say, cursed is the one who does these things. And then they said, amen. Very interesting here, that word amen that we say at the end of every single prayer, it only appears in two passages in all of the Torah. It appears in this one after the pronouncement of every single curse. And it also appears in the passage of Numbers chapter 5, when the woman who was accused of jealousy was submitting herself to judgment 
if she was found guilty of sin and it says this is going to happen to you if you are guilty and she was then to say amen the only two instances in all of torah when you were saying amen you were saying amen to a judgment that you were accepting upon yourself if you committed wrongdoing it makes you actually stop and think we probably should be more careful what we say amen to in the hebrew it means it's so let it be done let it be done whatever is spoken whatever is prayed whatever is vowed when you say amen you find yourself in agreement with what was said we should probably take that word maybe not as cavalier as we do everything that we pray that we submit to the lord that we ask the lord to do for us and we say amen to it god reserves that word for laws of covenant acts of covenant pronouncements of curses and then agreement by both parties of the covenant when you say amen you need to be very careful what you're finding yourself in agreement with obviously when we pray we obviously pray good things we always pray for blessings we pray for healings we always we we have no problem submitting to those kinds of things and finding ourselves in agreement with those things. Every time that we pray for somebody who's in need of healing, that we pray over our children, blessings upon them, and we find ourselves in agreement to those. But the thing is this, in every agreement, there is blessings for obedience and there is curses for disobedience. That's the way it is in a family. If you obey your parents, children, when they are asked to do something, then that's when they get dessert. That's when they have a happy mother that is willing to buy them a new toy the next time they happen to be at the store. But when they don't obey, then you have curses. Then you have spankings. Then you have punishment. Then you have going to bed early. Then you have no dessert. Then you have all of those things. Both have to be present in a good covenant relationship. We can love on God and we can accept his love and his compassion that he pours out upon us and all of those wonderful things, but we must also understand that we're in trouble if we do not follow what the Lord has said. Because there's a lot more curses listed in the Torah than there are blessings. Chapter 28 gives us 14 verses of blessing and then finishes the rest of the chapter all the way to verse 68 with nothing but curses. We must take these words to heart to obey the lord he desires to be in covenant with us he has chosen us from among all peoples and has given us his word and his instruction and we're smart enough to know and to make a choice between blessings in life curses and death we might read some of the curses and say man it's a good thing none of those fall upon me are you sure because all of those things, because a lot of those things do fall upon you, you don't even realize it. When it says that we would end up being scattered into nations, that we would end up worshiping gods that our fathers didn't know, serving gods of wood and stone, and we think, nah, I've never bowed down to a god of wood and stone. Let me just pull out your wallet, reach into your pocket, and if you got any coins and change laying in there or some cash in your wallet, cash is a god of wood and coins are a god of stone because there's a whole lot of people that do a whole lot of things in their life just for those things. And you do it without even realizing it. You do it any time that you have forsaken something that God wanted you to do because you needed to make some money, 
or that you did what you wanted to do, that's what it is to forsake God's word. And there's a lot of people that worship those things. We must be a better people than that. We must hold ourselves to a higher standard and we must obey the words that God has given to us. And every time that we pray to the Lord and we worship him and we confess our faith in him as our God, uh, that we are his people and we say amen at the end of every single one of those prayers, we agree not only to the blessings that he has promised to us, but we agree to the curses if we disobey. Let us be mindful of those things as we go about our day-to-day lives. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you on, our, on this Sabbath day for all of your teachings and instruction, for your appointed times, for this restful Shabbat, Lord. We thank you for allowing us a place to worship your name, to, to join with us together with the community, with the fellowship, with the brethren. Father, I pray that this Shabbat would be restful and refreshing to all who partake. May we always turn our hearts and minds and our attention upon you in all things that we do. Even from the smallest thing to when we get up in the morning to every meal that we make, Father, may we always look to you as the provider of our blessings. We look to you for all things. Lord, anytime that there's a healing that needs to take place, may we look to you first rather than a doctor. But Father, when there is issues, Lord, we thank you for the hands of the physicians and the doctors that, he, that you have placed and given us the ability and the blessing that we have to be able to go to them and receive that healing as well. Father, may you receive all glory in all things that we do. For it's in your son, Yeshua, that we pray all of these things on this Sabbath day. Amen. Habits die hard, right, Ephraim? Let us pray. Amen. Well, we're going to talk about habits today. And just like Ephraim talked, some of these habits are things that we intentionally go out of our way to make sure that we don't do. These are things that we specifically attempt to make sure that we're not participating in. And yet it is something that over 80% of Americans engage in on a daily basis. And that is gossip. Now, I'm going to go ahead and clear up the title, The Gospel of Gossip, because a lot of times the most commonly understood definition of the word gospel is to be talking about Christ. It is to be talking the New Testament, the Renewed Testament, the Renewed Covenant. But... There's another definition for it. It is a set of principles and or beliefs. So today we're going to be talking about the principles and or beliefs of gossip. Gossip is one of the most common tools that we engage in as Americans nowadays. In 2009, Dr. Nicola Emlor did a study and found out that men versus women, which is Interesting. I, I learned some, some things here. Men, twice as much as women, we gossip. Twice as much as women. Now you get into the church, and one of the biggest things that people will tell you inside the church is, well, you got to be, you gotta be the, the old church ladies. They know the dirt on everybody. No. The study that Dr. Nicola Emler did actually said that irregardless of the environment by which it was in, men gossiped two times more than women. 
In fact, in another study that was done by the American Psychology Association, the average individual spends at least 52 minutes per day speaking about something that would be considered gossip. 52 minutes. Now, I'm an extrovert. I talk a lot. That means that I'm probably well over 100 minutes of gossip in a day. Now, again, gossip is, is normally sharing some piece of information. It doesn't always have to be a rumor. It doesn't have to be a slander. It doesn't have to be something that's negative. In fact, one of the most growing trends that's happening in our society today is why gossip is good. Gossip is warning. Gossip is sharing a piece of information that could lead somebody to be warned of some negative situation. Um, it's information that could allow us to understand our environment. That's great. Except for all the studies show that only 5% of the people who share gossip have any real warning concerns for themselves or the person they're sharing it with. 5%. So out of that 80%, only 5% have any real concern, any real fear for the piece of information that they have or for the person that they're sharing the information with. That means 75% of the gossip that is shared on a daily basis has no real benefit to anybody whatsoever. None. Because you have no fear. You have no fear for the person you're sharing it with. It's not like somebody moved into your neighborhood and they were a convicted robber or something and you wanted to make sure your neighbors knew that this person was convicted of robbery and make sure you lock your doors. No, it's not that. That would be 5% of the gossip that's shared would be something along those lines. 5%. The other 75% is reputation theft. It's meant to impugn another individual. It's meant to distract another person. Well, all of us are, are born again believers in here. We know what it means to be born again. That you put off the old you and you make a constant effort to let the Lord rebuild a new you. You're born again. Why would we then want to engage in the reputation theft of individuals who are trying to put away their previous person. Why would we want to engage in theft of any type? We do. I do. I do. Being a pastor, working in ministry full time, you hear everything. Everything. If somebody was rude to their wife, you hear it. If somebody's struggling financially, you hear it. If somebody's angry with somebody, you hear it. You're constantly involved in reputation theft. Constantly. Now, let's say that just by chance that I hear more gossip on a regular basis, just happening to be in the position I'm in. That's pretty scary to think that 80% of the people gossip, just regular, regular people, 80% of the people gossip. And I might hear just a little bit more. That's scary to think about that. That's why we're here today with this message is because 
When you stop and you take a look at the conversations you have, when you stop and you take a look at the things that you hear, at first it's not, it's not bad. I mean, honestly, when we're sitting around and we're talking and we're talking about an NFL player or we're talking about something that happened boomer sooner or whatever, we're just talking. But then it goes, well, did you hear that so-and-so on the Sooners did this? like oh I didn't know that they they were they were accused of robbery didn't know yeah and all of a sudden the conversation starts to shift towards reputation theft now it steals something not only from the individual by which you're speaking to it steals something from the person who hears it and if there is a third party that they're talking about it steals something from them because ultimately the, the speak that you are speaking is not profitable for the kingdom. Recently, recently we went to a whole new level in our movement. Obviously everybody who has social person, it's a theology, it's a scripture verse, it's a family gathering, it's what's going on in the media. But recently there were a couple of Instagram accounts that opened up. And for the parents or the grandparents in here, Instagram is one of the social media accounts where you basically take pictures all the time. It started out to be most of the people are just posting food and, you know, look at my perfect life and look at this perfect meal I made and think high of myself. It's, it grants me security. Recently, in the last couple of weeks, some fellow Messianic Hebrew Roots believers, Torah observant, Torah pursuant, whatever you want to call them, whatever the name is or the label is this week, created an account, multiple accounts, to share dirt on other people inside the movement. They, they put rumors and innuendos. They said things at the end of their posts like, if this is true, if this is true. Well, this is a very form, common form of conversation that takes place. We have a little bit of a concern for something and we'll say, well, I'm not sure it's true or not. Then we should shut up immediately. And if you don't like that language, I'm sorry. This is how, how bad this has gotten. This is how angry my spirit is at even myself. In this room, I am probably the greatest offender of this. Sitting and talking with the fellow pastors and we're saying, hey, look, there's... There was a concern that was brought to us. Do we need to do something about it? Should we pray? We shouldn't even be talking about it. Because the Bible says that truth can only be established by two to three witnesses. If one person comes and says, if this is true, we should immediately stop talking. We should immediately walk away and we should leave it. Because the moment we hear something like that, we have changed our perception of that individual, even if there's not a single element of truth. Not a single element of truth. And what's worse, what really, really got and, and, and just made the Lord come down on me is that one of the images that were shared was of a young lady who did have a problem. She did have a problem. They found multiple year old picture of her being arrested for something and she did have a problem. And they posted it out there to defame her. They posted it out there as another believer in Yeshua to defame them. But they never came back and said the fact that that person had corrected their behavior. That person had repented of their behavior. That person was seeking help to fix their behavior. 
And that person was over 215 days on the right track. Almost a whole entire year was on the right track. The information was shared so that people would no longer think highly of this individual, but they didn't even give the good news. Ministry is not about being perfect. Being a believer in Yeshua is not about being perfect. There's not a single person in this room that's perfect, not one. It's about doing the hard things. When you fall, when you fail, repenting, making reconciliation, and having restoration. That's the ministry. That's what Yeshua was about. It's like, hey, I know you're going to fail. I know you're going to make mistakes. Do your best to do so. But when you do it, go make restitution to them. Go rebuild the trust. Go rebuild the relationship. Go rebuild the kingdom. We're in the midst right now of a rebuild of the kingdom of God, the redemption of all of Israel. Right now, we're in the middle of the story. He has not come back and brought all of us back together in the kingdom. We're in the middle of the redemption right now. How would we feel if everybody, all the times they talked about each and every one of us, is like, oh, I remember when they, they weren't keeping the Sabbath and when they weren't eating kosher and when they were, that's even the minuscule. I walked away from God for two years and did everything that the world does. How would I feel right now as I continue to pray and I continue to live my life right and I continue to try to make restoration if the gossip that was being shared about me was the things that were happening in the two years that I was an adolescent that I walked away from God? I'm not that man that anymore. I have never been that man in the last 10, 15, 20 years. But what if that was where everybody wanted to paint me? What if we're the people who are painting other people in that same position? Anxiety, depression, guilt, mental health, bullying. These are worldly things that we have allowed to creep into our sanctuaries, into our conversations, into our feast gatherings. They have no place in the camp of the Lord. They have no place in our life and in our hearts. And yet, we're watching young adults in our movement create pages with the specific goal to out every wrongdoing that they could possibly find. Now, these are young adults. I believe they're teenagers. Where did they learn this behavior? They didn't wake up one morning and decide, you know what, I'm just going to go bully somebody. I'm just going to go post this all over the internet. I'm just going to go try and out every sin of anybody who I've ever seen at a Sabbath gathering or whatever. They've learned their behavior by watching us as their parents and the adults. We share a teaching by somebody and we say, well, I'm just sharing this so that you would know that you need to watch out for this individual. This person's a false prophet. Really? That's a pretty heavy accusation to make. What grounds? Well, listen to the teaching. Okay, is that the only works by that teacher? And then we debate round, around, 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 around. Publicly for all of our teenagers, all of our brothers to see, all of our congregational members to see, we do it. I'm guilty. He's trying to teach me. Daniel's trying to teach me to have more patience in that area. Daniel used to be the same way. He's grown in his patience 
and not engaging in those types of conversations in those types of places. But it's happening over and over again, and we're seeing this cyclical pattern now transferred down to our children. And just like my children are doing to me, they're doing it better than we are. I'd rather my children do the good things better than me, not the bad things better than me. So if I'm a big gossip, I don't want my kids to be a better gossip. I want my kids to be less of a gossip. But that's what we're seeing happening over and over and over again. The Psychology Today study shows that there is an increased rate of suicide in teens, young adults, and physical outbursts of violence in regards to rumors, slander, and gossip. We all were in high school. We all know what we used to say about the jocks or the band people or whatever. We even had names for them, and we thought it was all fun. It's not fun. And again, it has no place in the life of a believer. If you will, turn with me in the scriptures, and I'm going to hit through a bunch of them because the Lord, through his, uh, through his apostles, through the writers of the scriptures, he had an awful lot to say about slander and gossip. 2 Corinthians 12, 20. For I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there might be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Now we talk a lot about jealousy. We talk, we obviously, nobody wants to see a fit of rage any place. We all know selfish ambitions are not good. They're not something that we should feed. Arrogance is not either. We don't like disorder. We don't like disorder in our house. We don't like disorder in our workplace. We don't like disorder in the church. But right there with that is slander and gossip. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Again, we talked about earlier, if we share something that we have no business sharing, how is it benefiting anybody? How is it doing any good for us? I can tell you this, in our times where we see a lot of counseling and we got a lot of people calling us and talking to us, the anxiety that one might feel through that, I feel it just by hearing it. Just the discord in the marriages, the discord of brethren and keeping feasts together, just the constant discord, the constant condemnation for one screw up, one misstep, one misspeaking. You can feel it yourself. It stresses you out. It causes problems with your own health. What we say, does it benefit others? Exodus 23.1 Do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being a malicious witness. My click. Well, I heard about so-and-so, so I'm not even going to befriend them anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay over here with my clique. Happens all the time. Happens every place you go. James 1, 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. 
So we talk a lot about being a light. We want to be able to witness to our family members. We want to be able to witness to our community. We want to be able to witness to the people we work with, our friends, all of that. God's doing something miraculous in our life. I don't know why, but I no longer care about eating pepperoni on my pizza. I don't know why, but I no longer care about uh, celebrating Easter and the bunnies and all these other things. I don't know why, but I really love some of this this Hebrew-based stuff. I don't know why, but I really, really like this. God's doing something in my life. If we can't keep a tight rein on our tongue, we are proving our religion, our belief system to be worthless. Once again, when I first started to keep the Sabbath, when I first started to keep some of the dietary laws and I started to understand kind of who my identity was and the Lord was revealing these things to me, I was so excited. I was so excited that for the first time I came out of two years where the Lord wasn't speaking to me at all. I had completely turned my back on him. I was living in the world. I wasn't doing anything that would be considered to be religious or any faith of any sort. And the Lord all of a sudden started opening my eyes and started changing how my wife and I started walking our walk, started changing our family. And I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I was telling my family constantly, oh my goodness gracious, you got to see this, you got to see this. Did you know this? Did you know that? Did you know this? Did you know that the Washington Monument is actually a symbol of fertility and couldn't, only to have to come back now and say, there's a lot of things I said, there was a lot of things I did that wasn't true. I now know better. I now am a little bit wiser. And I have spent the last 12 years of this walk undoing the things I did Now, my heart was to share the greatest things that was happening in my life, in my wife's life. But out of that zeal to gather as much information, as much as I could, I impugned my walk and my faith in the Lord with my family. And I've had to undo that since. My eldest daughter, still a joke. Thankfully, my mom can laugh about it now. Everything was pagan. I had all the scientists, scientific, historical, everything was pagan. Pagan was one of the biggest words we used in our house. My daughter goes, Grandma, why do you celebrate pagan days? Are you a pagan? She was, I don't know, maybe like two or three. Oh man, my mom lost it. She lost it. And I've had to undo stuff like that. Again, I was seeking to teach my child the ways of the world the history of the Bible. But it wasn't profitable for me to teach her that everything was pagan and that my mom, her grandmother, the one she loves the most out of all of them, was also pagan because she was engaged in this. Once again, spent the last 12 years trying to undo it. Last tw- so what you speak, is it beneficial? How you say it, is it beneficial? If not, James 4.11. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. Leviticus 19.16. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life, for I am the Lord. Okay, now, 
Ray, if you and I are sitting down, we're having some Buffalo Wild Wings, and we're talking, and I say, hey, man, I noticed that you've got, you've got teenagers. You should really just watch out. As the pastor of this congregation, you should watch out that your teenagers are hanging out with this one person. Are you going to get up from the table and go pull a knife or physically assault that person to protect them from your teenagers? No. But could I have endangered their life from a spiritual standpoint, brother to brother, in the same community? I'm not telling you not to call out sin. I'm not telling you to not go to those people if something actually happens. But again, most of the things that we tell other people, we have no business being involved in in the first place. As your pastor, I have no business being involved in it. There are heads of households that have the authority over their homes. And as long as it's dealt with in those homes and it's not brought in here, we have no right to come into your home to do it. So why are we spreading it? Why are we talking about it? What is fruitful for us to do? Am I endangering your spiritual life through the eyes of another brother and sister by impugning you? Proverbs 10, 18. Man, the book of Proverbs has an awful lot about the tongue, awful lot about gossip and slander. Proverbs 10, 18. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. The moment you stop and you say, you know what, I've got to tell you about Josiah. You're about 10 seconds from becoming a fool. Proverbs. Proverbs 10, 19. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Proverbs eleven nine, With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. But through knowledge, the righteous escape. Proverbs eleven thirteen, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Guys, look. If we are truly becoming a family, if we're truly becoming Israel, if we're truly being grafted in and brought back into the fullness of the kingdom of God, you need believers who you have a relationship with, who you walk with on a day-to-day -day basis that you can be honest with. Because here's what happens. People decide, well, I'm not going to be honest with anybody. The whole church is full of them nowadays. I'm going to come. Everybody's going to see me. As soon as I get in the car, it's all back to everything normal. It's a two-faced mentality. You need those people in your life that you can be honest with. You need those people in your life that you can say, I'm struggling. You need those people in your life who are going to pray for you. You need those people who you can pick up the phone and you can call and say, I need you to talk me off the ledge. We need those people. People who we can trust. Women, you need those ladies you can call. Because they used to have them in the real world. The problem is, is like, hey, let's go out and let's go, let's go, let's go bar hopping or let's go clubbing or let's go do whatever. Let's get your mind off of that. You need the women who are not going to tell you that the solution is to go out and to drink. The solution is to go out and to escape. The solution is, is to dig into the word of God to pray and to move forward. That's hard to do. Trust me, it's hard to do because it, we live in an instant gratification society that says, you know what, if I just keep complaining about it, it'll automatically go away. No, it won't. 
If you don't change anything, you're going to continue to get the same, the same result that you have. You need those people. Young people, you need those people. You need those people that you could talk to and say you're struggling or you're, you're concerned or this is going on or that. And you don't need to be fearful that they're going to go onto Instagram and post your dirty laundry. That's not a believer. That's not somebody who's going to stand up next to you and going to help you push you towards Yeshua into the kingdom of God. That is gossip. And that is not of God. If you think you're going to be perfect every day of your life, you're not. It's not going to happen. You need to have those strong people around you, inside your church, inside your jobs, inside your communities, where you can be honest. And not once a year at a youth camp. Once a year at a youth camp doesn't cut it. We cannot betray the confidence of our friends and our neighbors. We need to start getting down to the business of, I don't want to know your dirty laundry because I want to be able to manipulate you and control you. I want to know how I can help you. How can I pray for you? How can we get about the work of God? Proverbs 16, 28, a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Look, come on. We lost a ton of friends when we started keeping the Sabbath, we started eating kosher, we started doing all this stuff that's considered to be Jewish. We lost a lot of people who we had great relationships with. There's things we just can't go do with them anymore. So, do we really need to separate close friends? We already lost them. We're already in a position. Young people, once again, there's all kinds of teenagers in this world. The high schools are full of them, but you can't go hang out with them because you really don't have anything in common with them. It's John Chris has the comedy line of the homeschool. I was a homeschool kid. We need each other, guys. I don't care if it's you on the internet, on Facebook, if it's us here in the community, we need each other. We lost a lot of friends. We don't participate in a lot of things that a lot of people in this world do. So why in the world would we want to become a perverse person who stirs up conflict and uses gossip to separate our close friends? We can't do it anymore. If we're all about the redemption of Israel and the reunification of Israel and the gathering of all of his people back, why are we the ones who are scattering them? Proverbs 17.9 Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Once again, separating close friends. Proverbs 18.8 the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into the inmost parts. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Proverbs 20, 19. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Proverbs 26, 20. Without wood, a fire goes out without a gossip. A quarrel dies down. Facebook has created a place where we can continue to throw wood on fires. Psalm 34, 13. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Psalm 141, 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord, and keep watch over the doors of my lips. Proverbs 18, 6 through 7. The lips of fools bring them strife and their mouths invite a beating the mouths of fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very lives
Romans 1, 29-32. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. They're slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death. They do not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice it. They know that God says those people deserve death, yet they approve of the people who do it and they continue to engage in it. The word of God makes it abundantly clear that even 5% of the time, where our world says that gossip is meant to be profitable, it's meant to provide a warning. The Bible says that 0% of the time is gossip okay. 0% of the time. I've lived in this community for roughly five years. I've had the blessing of serving and walking alongside Daniel Musson and his family and Ephraim and Lauren pretty much since the moment I moved here. Knew them a little bit before that. There's pretty much nothing about me in my life those men don't know. But I made a conscious change in my life when I moved to Oklahoma from Tennessee and that was, I was no longer going to hide anything. I wasn't going to hide the fact that, that, you know, I'm a very direct person. I wasn't going to hide the fact that I lose my temper from time to time. I wasn't going to hide the fact that I like to smoke cigars and have a drink once in a while. I wasn't going to hide any of it. Why? Because I've been on the receiving end of so many people who want to try to crucify me for things that the Bible does not call a sin. And rather than trying to be a stumbling block to my brother or whatever, I've been on the receiving end in those five years of people who wanted to personally cause spiritual death to me, cause reputation death to me over things. And I decided I was no longer going to live in any type of shadow whatsoever. I was going to leave it all out for everybody to see. Because the gossipers will gossip. The slanderers will slander. The rumors will rumor. If everything is out there public for everybody to see, what is there to gossip about? The funny thing is, even that hasn't worked. There are a lot of people in this community who don't know me. They think they know me. They think I, they know why I've done things. They think they know how I think and how I tick. But what they know is the gossip they have heard about me and they have formulated their perception based upon that. Almost every one of us are in that position to some extent or the other. There's people who will come up and say, oh, I know you from Facebook. You're the outgoing, so on and so on. It's like, no, I'm an introvert. But this one area of my life, they saw. We must be very careful to allow perception to guide our reality and let our lips speak things that are not truth. We must be very careful to impugn other people. We must be very careful to go directly to the source when we hear something or completely disregard it all the way around. There are hundreds of Sabbath-keeping brothers and sisters in this area. And if you were to ask them why they can't fellowship with each other, they'd be able to tell you, oh, this person, 
This person, I lived in Nashville when I became a Torah observant believer. I went to a fellowship. There is a, a very well-known individual in this area. And I listened from the pulpit as they called this person a very, very bad term. I barely knew the man. I can't tell you how long it took me to erase that thought process from my mind. I had to sit with that man many, many times and get to know him and watch him and talk to him and pick his brain. All because one phrase was stated publicly. How many of us right now have those things in our minds about other people? It's a family member. It's somebody we don't know. It's somebody in our community, in our congregation, at our workplace. As we start into the fall feast cycles, we have to try to be better. We have to try to be better about not being the person who causes the spiritual death to our brothers and sisters. Not being the person who runs them out of a community. Not being the person who makes them feel like they're unwelcome. Not being the person who constantly speaks death and reputation theft over them. How do we do that? How can we deal with that? Well, there's a couple of ways we can do this. One, we first have to make a commitment. We have to make a commitment that we're not going to participate in it. You have to make that commitment. I'm not going to participate in that conversation. You have to tell yourself that before you get in. If you don't tell yourself, I'm absolutely not going to participate the moment it starts, it's just doop, doop, right back into the habits. Ephraim was talking about habits earlier. The blessings and the curses of the things that happen. It's habitual for us to talk to one another and it's habitual in our culture today for us to speak about other people. People have made millions of dollars off of basically putting their life on TV so everybody could know everything that's about them. Millions of Twitter followers, fashion styles, everything. There's news outlets that are created to just specifically follow people around and find them when they're nude or when they're beating somebody or when they're drunk or when they're someplace they shouldn't be. In the lowest of the lowest of their lives, people are literally out there trying to find pictures so they can make massive amounts of money off catching that person in a compromising position. Is that what we want our body of believers to be? Do we want to be sitting around like those morsels that go into the innermost parts waiting for them so I can know every bad deed you have ever done? The moment you screwed up, the moment you said something you shouldn't have done. No, I don't want to be that guy and I don't want our community to be that way and I don't want the greater body of messianic believers to be that way. I don't want our people to live in fear. I don't want our people to live in fear for what might happen on the coming of the Lord and I don't want them to live in fear for what might happen when somebody says something about them. We're a redeemed people in the process of being brought back by the Messiah. We shouldn't be doing it in our own houses. Once we make the commitment that we're not going to participate in it, we have to, the moment it starts, we have to shut it down. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. If you've got to get up and walk away, get up and walk away. You might think I'm rude when I get up and I ignore you and I walk away from you, but I would much rather be known as being rude than a person who continues to slander other brothers and sisters in the movement. And I can tell you, as a pastor, you hear everything. I don't want to hear it anymore. 
Unless you need help, you need help, come to us. Day or night, we'll come. But that's if you need help for yourself. Don't come to me and try to tell me about what so-and-so did with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. No. We're about restoration, reconciliation. We're not about spreading gossip and slander. You can't judge another person based upon what you've heard about them. That's the third step. Go get to know that person. Go eat dinner with that person. Call that person. Talk to that person. Don't listen to the report of another person. The Israelites didn't like the bad report. And they missed the blessing. Fourth, think before you speak. Am I speaking life or am I speaking death? I understand days are hard, jobs are hard, people are hard, and every once in a while we just got to unwind. There's a different way to unwind. You don't have to trash every person you met that day. And then remove anybody from your life who is a constant gossip. Remove them. Don't be a party to it anymore. Gossip thrives off the ability to have some sort of knowledge or some sort of power or some sort of something over another person. There was a show on the CW back in the early 2000s all about that. This isn't the CW, guys. Your faith in Messiah is not some teenage television show. It's not some late night pay-per-view HBO show. We don't need gossip. I honestly don't care what's happening in Brad Pitt's life anymore. I used to. I used to all the time. I don't care anymore. Don't care. I, got, I only got enough time in the day to take care of my life and my family. I got enough problems there on a daily basis. Why would I be worried about Brad Pitt? Why would I be worried about the Kardashians? Why would I be worried about any person under the sun who I don't have a relationship with? Why? Why? It's distraction. It's distraction from the goal. The goal is for us to continue to keep our eyes focused on Yeshua. Are we drowning because we took our eyes off Yeshua just for a brief second to see what kind of clowning around Antonio Brown's doing? Or what is one of our buddies from Camp Messiah, Texas, doing now? If the thought in your heart is not to how you can go and help them in the situation that you have, then you're, you're right on the verge of engaging in gossip. You want that juicy morsel to go down in the innermost part. If your thought is not, I need to help them, how can I go to them and help them? It's got to stop. It's got to start someplace in order for it to stop. The entire work of God is about healing, rest, restoration, and helping those who need help. Zedekah, the poor, the orphans, the widows, the ones who are less fortunate, practicing righteousness. I see not a lot of that going on in our current movement because most of our time is focused on things that absolutely create the gospel of gossip. 
And I know it's easy. I know it's a trapping. Proverbs tells us it's a trapping. But in all the moments that you decided to sit and talk about that other individual, how many people could you have been helping? Somebody in the community needs help moving. And yet you can find the people who didn't show up on Facebook during the same time. I understand it. We got lives. Unplug, unwind. Focus in on Zedekiah. Restoration, healing, doing good to those around you. Slander, gossip, rumors. They're the complete opposite of that. Look, as human beings in this world, we already have shame. We feel shame. Everywhere around us, we have shame. It could be, I don't have the hair that that person has. I'm not in the same shape as those people. All these things, financial status, all the things that this world tells us are the important elements. They are the standards. We feel shame if we feel like we should have that. We need to be fixing those types of things, not adding to the shame by speaking down about somebody else. Because when you share gossip, you're shaming that individual. You're not bringing honor to them. Rico Cortez has an amazing teaching on honor and shame. Are we speaking honor over these people and elevating them to a position of honor? Are we speaking shame over them and trying to bring them to a place of death? The entire work of Yeshua was to have sinners repent be restored and then to walk forward as a kingdom. As a body of believers, we really need to search our hearts and repent if we have engaged in the reputation theft of another one of God's chosen people. Some of the worst things that you could possibly imagine in this life, I've participated in before I was a believer. I'm not that man. I'm not that man anymore. But I can't imagine what it would be like if people were trying to walk around sharing imagery on Facebook of those moments of my life. Some of the greatest shame I have in my life. It was that shame that led me to find Yeshua. It was that shame that led me to change my life. All of us have those moments. All of us will have those times. The Bible never tells us it's okay for me to put Ray back in that moment of shame. He never tells me it's okay to put Aaron back in that moment of shame. No. In fact, he encourages us that we're supposed to go pick each other up out of that moment of shame and help restore each other to honor. Rather than engaging in the gospel of gossip, let us return to the original pure gospel of redemption, restoration, and hope. I'm going to close with a verse in Jude happens to be one of the verses of my children's co-op this year. It's been kind of sticking with me 
Also, the book of Jude happens to share the same name as my son. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people who are devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building each other up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that's stained with the flesh. Let that be our call. When our lips are quick to speak slander, gossip, and rumors of another one, let that be our call. That we would be building each other up in our most holy faith and showing mercy to one another, not shame. The precepts of gossip are found all over Scripture. They're found in the areas where it tells us to run away from them. As we get ready to go into the fall feast, let's remove the gospel of gossip from our hearts, from our homes, from our lips, from our communities, from our feast gatherings. And let's start, like Jude said, working to build each other up in our holy faith showing mercy unto one another so that the redemption of Yeshua can come complete in the lives of every person that has ears to hear. Ephraim, will you come? If we could all rise, please. And the Lord had spoken to Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Adonai Adonai Panavi lecha v'chunecha Yisa Adonai Panavi lecha Vayasim lecha lecha shalom.
Bashem Yeshua HaMashiach, Sarcha Shalom, Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.